Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Cherry Pickers Podcast, a podcast where we talk all things hockey. My name is Zach, aka Zoo, and I'm joined here with my co-host Brody. How's it going, everybody? Uh, we apologize for the lack of content recently, but we got a lot of news for you today, and it should be a good one. I'm excited to get right on into her. You guys know how it is. Life gets busy, both me and Brody, you know, trying to record from our own homes. It's it's uh, it's hard to get schedules to line up, and we apologize that we haven't been able to get an episode out every single week. But like Brody said, we do have a lot of content. It is a jam-packed episode for episode number 11. So, Brody, let's just kick things off. Let's go back to last week, and let's just get everyone caught up with the news in the hockey world last week. Yeah, we, we got to start off with some tough news. Uh, last week, we heard that uh, Guy Lafleur, the Montreal Canadiens legend, passed away at the age of 70. It was a really unfortunate news. He was an icon of the Montreal Canadiens. He was a, a stable mark of that franchise for a lot of years. And uh, just your thoughts on the passing of Guy Lafleur. Yeah, it, it sucks. And I feel like every single episode, man, we start with someone passing away. But, you know, that is life. You know, people get older and these things happen. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Guy Lafleur was such a staple and an icon of the Montreal Canadiens and really the NHL and the hockey uh, community itself. And uh, I know uh, me and Brody were never really old enough to uh, watch Guy Lafleur ever play. But, uh, you, you know, we've only ever heard good things about him. And he's, you know one of the uh, most influential players to ever play the game of hockey. So very unfortunate, absolutely, that uh, another icon has passed in the hockey world. And uh, like always, we wish uh, Guy Lafleur's family our uh, condolences and best wishes. Yeah, and I mean, first Mike Bossy, now Guy Lafleur. I mean, that's two hockey legends just gone just like that. It's uh, it's really tough to see, and it's very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're, we're going to try and kick it off with some more positive news now. <laughs> um, yeah, we got a lot of news from last week and this week as well. We're going to start it off about the Florida Panthers, though. Uh, they have actually broke the salary cap era record for most goals scored in a season. I mean, Florida's just been on another level this year. They've had a couple games where they've scored like nine goals. They've just been on an absolute tear. And just your thoughts on the Panthers this season. I love it, man. I'm a, I'm a Panthers fan as well. They're my second favorite team in the league. And it's so nice to see, you know, especially after last season where they had such good success and especially throughout the mid-2000s and even the early 2010s where, you know, Florida was was such a very you know sub mediocre team and uh now to see their success uh rising up and uh they're a wagon man they're a very very good team and you know adding players like Claude Giroux and uh adding Ben Sherratt and adding these guys with playoff experience is only going to help that Florida team go deeper in the playoffs and they're gonna be taking on the Washington Capitals in the first round who you know Washington isn't quite as good this year as they have been in the last years but uh they got some playoff experience too so it's gonna be a good little matchup there but yeah Florida Great team. They've had so much success this year, and they've been just firing on all cylinders. So it's awesome. I love to see it. Yeah, me too. I mean, like you said, Florida's been a team that struggled in the mid-2000s, like early to mid-2000s. They were not a very good team. They are consistently at the bottom of the league. So it's nice to see them turning that corner, and they have a very solid core of players, and there's nothing but good coming in the future for Florida. Mm-hmm. All right, now on next some next news here. We got to talk about a first overall pick. Owen Power last week scored his first NHL goal with the Buffalo Sabers. He was uh, recently signed to an entry level contract. I believe he played for the University of Michigan, the Wolverines. Yep. I believe is who he played for, and 
Yeah, he, uh, he did appear a little bit in the World Juniors, but unfortunately they had to shut it down due to the Omicron variant, so that was unfortunate. But just your thoughts on Owen Power scoring his first NHL goal? He's going to be a nasty defenseman coming up through this league. He's big. He's, you know, six foot six. You know, he's got a good uh, frame. He's a good skater, very good puck mover, high hockey IQ. He's a very good defenseman. Putting him uh, on a decor that's also got Rasmus Dalin as well is going to be just nasty in a couple of years for Buffalo. And Buffalo in general has been one of those teams that I'm really excited to uh, watch, you know, in the next couple of seasons. Like they're starting to, uh, ever since the Jack Eichel saga, they're starting to um, really, you you know, get their identity and um, they're starting, you know, to surprise a lot of people and they kind of went on a little bit of a tear, you know, near the end of the season. You know, Jeff Skinner's had a good season. Tage Thompson's had a great season. Even Kyle Oposo scored 20 goals this season. So, no, Buffalo is, uh, they're they're going to be a good team. Owen Power, like I said, he's going to be such a good defenseman in the in the uh, next few seasons here. And really, he's going to have a great career in the NHL. But always exciting to get your first NHL goal. Congratulations to Owen Power there. And, yeah, looking forward to uh, his career for sure. And I'm hoping Buffalo turns that corner. I mean, they've missed the playoffs for quite a few seasons in a row now. And they have a solid decor being built with Drasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. They've got a good future ahead of them there. I think they're going to start to turn that corner. At least I'm hoping they do. And they start to become a playoff team again because the Buffalo fans deserve it. You guys have been through a lot. And I know <laughs> from the past how rough it can be. So hopefully uh, Buffalo can turn that corner. We're going to talk about uh, some other interesting news around the league. Apparently, the NHL Global Series is going to return with games in Prague, Czech Republic, and Tamper. I'm not sure where that is, but... Sounds um, Finnish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually, uh, I'm not sure exactly where that is, but... I'll look it up. Where, what did you, how did you spell it? Uh, it's T-A-M-P-E-R-E. Yep. Yeah, it's Finland. It is Finland, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Prague, Czech Republic, and Tamper, Finland. So those will be some cool destinations for the NHL. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago that uh, Edmonton played in Cologne, Germany, and then I think they had a game against New Jersey that was in Sweden a couple of years ago. I don't know if that was the – I think Ottawa and Colorado played in a global series as well a couple of years ago. I don't know too much about the Global Series. Like, I, I've, I've heard of it happening, but it's all preseason stuff. And quite frankly, I don't follow preseason that much. So I, I know about the Global Series, but I don't really know any of the past history on it. Yeah, I think it's just a cool idea, though, to try and uh, grow oh, the game internationally and bring some more people uh, to the NHL, to the to the fan base of the NHL anyway. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool that the NHL Global Series will be returning. And, uh, yeah, just your thoughts on some games in Prague and, and Tamper. No, I love it. Like, it's, it's so hard to, you know... With a sport that only happens in two countries being in North America, right? It's so hard to, you know, build a following, like outside of those two countries so i think bringing you know the nhl itself to you know different european countries and stuff like that i think it's great for the the game great for the fans and great to build new fans of the sport as well whether it be of nhl or just being fans of hockey you know and it's it's such a cool thing you know seeing um just in a different environment and uh 
you know, the fans, they get excited over anything. Like, any little thing that happens, they don't have favorites. So, it's always, it makes for great games. And pretty much every team feels like the home team in those kind of games. So, they're cool. And I think, you know, it's it's like it, like I said, it's a, it's a great way to, you know, um, get the game out there and get more people checking it out. And speaking of fans of the game, we got to talk about Alexander Ovechkin. This guy's just on oh, another man. level. He just tied Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the most 50-goal seasons in NHL history. This guy's not going to stop scoring goals anytime soon. And just your thoughts on Ovi tying Gretzky and Bossy. I think he's going to get one more, honestly. I truly believe that he could. Like like we said, he's, what, 36, 37 years old right now, and he is not slowing down by any means necessary. He is just, uh, like, we've, like we've said before, he is the best pure goal scorer of our generation. And, uh, yeah, no, I there's no doubt in my mind that he could pass that record. And uh, you, you just you watch Ovechkin on and off the ice, and you just see how involved in the game he is and how excited he is to be playing the game. And that's really the big thing is that you're not going to become a successful player in the NHL if you don't love the sport that you play, you know. So seeing Ovechkin, you know, how... I wouldn't say dramatic, but how emotional he gets with the game, whether it be happy or sad emotions. Like, he's always so involved and he's so into the game. And it's stuff like that that just creates legends, you know. So, Ovi, you know, best goal scorer of our generation. I think he can pass, uh, you know, Bossy and Gretzky there. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, Ovechkin's had an unbelievable career. And I'm I'm more than confident that he's going to pass Gordie Howe in goals next year. Like, he's only, like... 30 20 to 30 off of him yeah. i'm not sure exactly where ovi's sitting right now but gordy Howe's at 801 and ovi's easily gonna pass that next year and then i don't see any reason why he couldn't catch gretzky as long as he stays healthy and yeah he's just had a fantastic career and i mean i hope he gets the the record himself for most 50 goal mm-hmm. seasons because i mean i don't see why he couldn't i mean he's just on another level and there's no reason why his goal scoring would slow down so exactly yeah, yeah. just hoping for all the best for wing Gr- or for uh alexander <laughs> ovechkin going forward yeah absolutely we gotta talk about some more uh records here we gotta talk about a defenseman from the colorado avalanche and that is kale mccarr he broke the avalanche record for points by a defenseman this season this guy is just ridiculous and He's uh he's on another level that's for sure and we got to talk about Kale McCarr. Man, he's once every single every single episode I swear we talk about Kale McCarr, but every single episode he just he he seems to amaze me more and more. And this man, he's he's so young but he looks experienced on that blue line and he's just he's such a threat anytime he's on the ice but once again, it's one of those situations where he, you know, he loves the game and he has fun playing it. And uh, I was actually watching the, uh, I was watching the Spit and Chicklets podcast where they uh, had Wayne Gretzky on, and Wayne Gretzky was talking a little bit about about uh, Kale McCarr as well, and he was just saying that um, players nowadays they have that freedom and just that creativity to pull off some stuff that wouldn't even been, you know, thought of back in the eighties and nineties. And, uh, Kale McCarr is just a prime example of that where he's, you know, with how good his skating is and his stick handling and puck protection. Like he's just, he's not afraid to try things out there and he's so skilled and talented to pull these things off. And, uh, every single night he, it seems like he's just a, you know, a human highlight reel. Like he's pulling stuff off and yeah, Kale McCarr, man, he is going to be the best defenseman of our generation hands down 
Yeah, like this guy's a phenomenal player. I remember watching highlights of a goal he scored against Chicago where oh. like there was a player that was like attacking or he was on Kale McCarr and he just spun around him like nothing and then he made a move on I think it was Flurry at the time when he was with Chicago and then he just went backhand top shelf like nothing. Like this guy's a phenomenal player and He's going to be a, a generational defenseman for years to come, and he's more than likely going to win a Stanley Cup with Colorado at some point in his career because this guy is next level. Maybe this year, man, maybe. Could be the year. We'll have to <laughs> wait and see. But, yeah, the, like I said, this guy is just on another level, and he's going to be a, a generational player for years to come. Mm-hmm. We gotta talk about some other records. Uh, we're gonna talk about your Flames for a minute here. Johnny Gaudreau he just notched the most even strength points in a season since Yarmir Yager in 1995-96. Their whole line this year, Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk, has been on another level. I believe they were leading the league in plus They're minus, one, two, so they were three, up yep. there or something. Yeah. So uh, they've been having a great season. And just your thoughts on Johnny Gaudreau this year. Well, I think, you know, Johnny Goudreau's always had that skill set, and he's always been such a talented hockey player. But realistically, when it comes to the Flames, I think it's just about how much they've bought into Daryl Sutter's program. Like, Daryl Sutter has turned this team around into, you know, such a fringe team that's, you know, first-round exit and turned them into an absolute wagon. And I think that... You know, the top line between Goudreau, Lindholm, and Chuck is just a product of, you know, Daryl Sutter's program. Like, these guys, they, they connect so well on the ice. And realistically, the Flames power play, it's good. But, like, lately, it's definitely been on a decline. And uh, they've been trying different things around. But consistently, night after night, it's been, you know, that top line has just been taking it to other teams' first pair defense. And, uh, you know, Hamnifin and Anderson on our first pair has really helped out. Uh, has really helped out, you know, Goudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk as well because uh, Anderson has not been afraid to step into play. He's been, you know, he hasn't scored a lot this year, but he's gotten a ton of assists, and uh, Hannafin's really bought into his game as uh, really a good two-way defender, but more defensively than anything. He's been very good defensively this year. So I just think, you know, the success belongs to, you know, Daryl Sutter and uh, the program that Daryl Sutter has put out for his team to, you know, buy into. I really think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, like Daryl Sutter is a phenomenal coach. I mean, he won two Stanley Cups with the LA Kings, and he's really changed Calgary for the better this year because last year, you know, they they didn't do nearly as good as they should have, at least I thought anyway. Yeah. And he's just really brought in a system that seemed to work for Calgary, and he's definitely in the running for the Jack Adams this year, in my oh, opinion. he's going to be the winner, 100%. Yeah, like he's really turn that team around from like you said like a fringe playoff team that would be out in the first round to a team that's gonna be a good contender this year in the playoffs and it wouldn't surprise me if they had a deep run so yeah he's definitely uh brought in a system that seemed to work for calgary and has brought out the production in johnny gaudreau Mm -hmm. we gotta talk about one more player that has set a franchise record and that is kirill kaprizov he just set the minnesota wilds franchise record with 43 goals this year he just broke marion gabrick's previous record of 42 goals this guy is a, a phenomenal player you know he's speedy he's got a lot of skill and he Definitely brings a lot of intangibles to Minnesota, and he's going to be a big part of their playoff run. Just your thoughts on Kirill Kaprizov. 
You know, it's funny you bring up Marion Gabrick as well, because uh, Kaprizov's definitely a player that I compare to a Marion Gabrick quite a bit. Like, whenever, you know, you're in, a, like, an offensive pickle, in a sense, and you need, you know, to get out of it, and you need to get, you know, goals on the board, like, you gotta look to Kaprizov. He is such an offensive weapon. His defensive game is, it's okay, but it's, you know, it's not the best in the league but his offense makes up for it he's an absolute lethal weapon in the offensive zone he's always got his eyes up he's always looking for passes and that line with Hartman and Zuccarello has just been electric this year for the wild and uh yeah it's definitely deserving Kaprizov he's got a wicked shot and uh he's such a fun player to watch and uh definitely gonna be fun to watch in the playoffs too but yeah awesome on uh, Kaprizov to see him pass that uh, or set that franchise record for sure I still remember when uh, Kaprizov signed his extension and Drew Doughty was like, that seems like a little much for somebody who's barely joined the league. <laughs> I think uh, Drew Doughty's probably eating his words now. I think Kaprizov he is, yeah. is a He's a phenomenal player. And uh, I could see him going on a run with Minnesota this year. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. That one's gonna be interesting because like Minnesota's gonna be playing St. Louis in the first round, and we're gonna we're gonna get to talking about the playoffs this year. But uh, yeah, I just want to say that that playoff series it's gonna be it's gonna suck for one of those teams, man. Like St. Louis and Minnesota are such good teams this year, and one of them has to go home, so that's gonna suck. <laughs> we gotta talk about one more thing from the Minnesota Wild here, and that is uh, Mark Andre Fleury. He is not retiring. He's going to play another season. And personally, I, I like the decision. I like Marc-Andre Fleury as a goalie. He recently won the Vesna not too long ago. I think he's still got a lot of game left. So it's nice to see him uh, coming back for another season. And just your thoughts on Fleury. I like Fleury. I always have liked Fleury as a goalie. Um, it's, it's good to see that he's not ready to quit yet. We've seen a lot of players that have started to, you know, stretch their careers out till their late 30s, even early 40s, you know, and, uh, Fleury's one of those players that uh, he's had quite a decorative uh, career, and uh, he, man, if you're if you're going into the playoffs and you got Marc Andre Fleury on your roster, you, you're happy. You know he's such a playoff performer, and uh, yeah, he's one heck of a goalie. So it's nice to see you know another player from our childhood, Brody, coming back to play another season because a lot of them are starting to retire, and I I hate it. <laughs> it makes me feel old. If I'm not mistaken, I think Fleury is third all-time in goalie wins. I think so. I, th I think he is. I think he's behind just Brodeur and Patrick Waugh. I mean, he's been around for a long time. I believe he is the first overall pick in the 0-3 draft. He's won three Stanley Cups at the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's had a very good career, and it's it's nice to see him coming back. And like Zach said, it's scary seeing all the players that we grew up with starting to get older on the back nine of their career, and it just makes us realize how old we are now as well. So it's uh, it's uh, nice to see Flurry coming back for another year, though. Yeah, Flurry is only 31 wins behind Patrick Waugh for a second there in all-time goalie wins, and he's played 90 less games than Patrick Waugh. So there is a pretty good chance that he could actually pass him and take number two behind Martin Brodeur. He definitely could next year. Wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Because he said, what, he's 31 behind, so he just has to have like a 30-plus win year, and I don't yep. see why he couldn't get that. And he's played 90 less games than Patrick Waugh, so he already has a better win percentage than Patty Waugh does. But, Brody, if you're going into these playoffs as Minnesota, who are you starting? Are you starting Marc-Andre Fleury or are you starting Cam Talbot? I would start Fleury because I feel like he has more playoff experience than Cam Talbot has, and he knows what it takes to win. I mean, that that's just my opinion. But, I mean... When you got Flurry and Talbot, you you could run both of them, honestly. 
You really yep. could. Like the the only reason I'm asking this is because uh, other than tonight, where Flurry, you know, had a very good performance against the Colorado Avalanche, he ended up uh, getting the win and he had one goal and 28 shots, which is pretty good. But the only reason I ask this is because Flurry recently really hasn't been all that good. Like I'm just pulling up his uh, last few games here, so not including the Colorado game. Um, uh, lost to Arizona. He had four goals against on 25, so an 840 save percentage. Uh, an 840 save percentage against Nashville. An 893 against Seattle. An 867 against San Jose. Like, he hasn't been all too great lately. And then if you take a look at Cam Talbot, Cam Talbot has been pretty dang good lately. A 939 against the Flames. Uh, he had a shutout against Montreal. Uh, 964 against Edmonton. Like, Cam Talbot's been kind of on a roll too, but... That's that's the thing is like you bring in these two goalies. And I think it's really like it's in a good situation for Minnesota where they can kind of just ride the hot hand. But I think like you got to take a look back at Marc-Andre Fleury, like any team that Fleury's been on going into the playoffs has gone deep. Right. So I think I agree with you. I think you start Fleury, but I don't think you overlook Talbot too much either. No, you definitely don't. I mean, I was just basing my opinion off of like how he's how his career Playoff is as success, a whole. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really follow Minnesota that much, so I didn't yeah. really know what their stats were looking like recently. My opinion yeah. was just based on overall career. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you could definitely ride them both. That's that's a, a luxury that Minnesota has when you have two good goalies that are both experienced, they're both veterans of the league, and they're, they're both good goalies. I mean, Minnesota's in a good situation there, so it'll be interesting to see, but Personally, I'd probably start Flurry game one. Yeah, I think he gets the nod to for game one as well. All right, well, we're going to start to talk about international hockey. There's a little bit of news there. Starting off, we got uh, Tom Rennie. He's retiring as Hockey Canada CEO. For those of you who do not know who Tom Rennie is, he used to coach the New York Rangers. Uh, I believe it was in roughly like the mid-2000s that he was coaching the Rangers. He also coached the Edmonton Oilers during the very start of their rebuild. And ever since then, he's moved on to international hockey. He's been involved in the Canada World Championships. He's been involved with the World Junior Championships as well. Uh, He's a very well-known figure in the world of hockey. And just your thoughts on Tom Rennie. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I didn't really expect that news to come out that he was uh, stepping down as CEO. But uh, yeah, Tom Rennie's done a ton of incredible stuff for the the sport of hockey. And... uh, yeah, it's just it kind of caught me off guard. It's uh, going to be interesting to see, you know, who comes in to replace him as Hockey Canada's CEO. But obviously, you know, if you know anything about hockey and you know about international hockey, you know, Canada's kind of been a wagon, you know, ever since international hockey began. So um, nevertheless, Tom Rennie, like I said, has done wonderful things for Hockey Canada. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm just kind of excited to see who kind of steps into his role there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean... I don't really know a whole heck of a lot of figures on the international side. I feel like it's going to be somebody really well-known in hockey. There's no question there. But, yeah, I, I personally could not tell you who's going to replace him. So yeah. it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. We'll keep tabs on that one for sure. We're going to talk about another interesting news. Uh, Claude Julian, he's going to coach Canada at the World Championship, and Shane Doan has been named the GM of the World Championship team. Claude Julian's a very respected coach. He won a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins in 2011. 
I believe that's his only Stanley Cup as a coach. I'm not 100% sure, though. Uh, I know he coached the Montreal Canadiens in the early 2000s, as well as the last couple seasons before Dominique Ducharme took over. He's a very well-qualified coach. He's been involved in Team Canada at the Olympics. Uh, he was there in 2010 and 2014, I think. So he's a definitely a good pick to be the coach of Team Canada at the World Championships. And just your thoughts on Claude Julien. Yeah, like you said, Claude Julien, he's a very well-respected coach. Um, had quite the heck of a career as a coach in the NHL. And uh, yeah, that's a very good selection for uh, for Canada, for the Worlds. And uh, Shane Doan as well, man. I love Shane Doan. He's such a great uh, such a great person. He was a great player for the you know Phoenix and Arizona Coyotes as well. And uh, that's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see what happens as uh, Shane Doan is uh, general manager. But yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, Claude Julien, yeah, respected career, um, very good head coach, and uh, yeah, excited for that as well, for sure. I think Shane Doan was pretty underrated when he played. I mean, he played in a market that wasn't really well-known with Arizona, and he, he had a great career there. I mean, he, he was a really solid player, and he was pretty good for Team Canada internationally as well, so it's nice to see him named the GM of the team. Mm-hmm. We got one last news about the international play, and that is the World Juniors. They've been rescheduled for August 9th to 20th in Edmonton. It'll be nice to see it come back, and, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun, and hopefully Team Canada can end up getting the gold, and just your thoughts on the World Juniors being played in the summer this year. Uh, I was hoping you didn't ask about my opinion because, quite frankly, my opinion's a little controversial, but I'm – a little pissed off in a sense where I've been following the world juniors since about, I'd say about 2003, 2004 and um, always been a fan of it. You know, it doesn't matter where the tournament takes place. If it's taking place, you know, in a European country and, you know, puck drops at three, four in the morning, I'll be awake three, four in the morning, ready to watch, you know, any game. And uh, always been such a fan of the world juniors and finally got the chance to go in 2020 and we all know what happened in 2020 and then the same thing happened again in 2021 so then when they get rescheduled again they announced that they're not going to be in red deer this year and they're only going to be in edmonton and it's just really frustrating personally to finally have the chance to see the tournament live after being such a fan and following in it for you know almost like at least 15 years and getting you know the chance to watch it live getting taken away from me and now you know tickets are super expensive and then travel as well up to Edmonton and stuff. And it's, it's just, it's really frustrating. And, uh, it just kind of pisses me off that, you know, Red Deer never really got the good opportunity to host it properly. And, uh, I think honestly, Red Deer would be a really good host city for it because, you know, they have the good ice surfaces. They have, you know, the Centrium and they have the new, uh, they have the new on the college campus that they just, uh, built as well. They have a new ice surface there where uh, the Red Deer College teams play. And uh, I think they'd be a really good city to host the World Juniors. And it's just really unfortunate that they never got a fair chance to host it. So I don't know. I'm a little annoyed. That's my personal opinion. But I obviously, I don't speak for everyone. But uh, yeah, that's just my opinion on the World Juniors. I guess like my opinion is like if they brought the World Juniors back, they should have just kept it how it was originally. I mean, I think Group A played in Edmonton and Group B played in Red Deer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that's how they did it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're going to bring it back, I mean, I think they should have just done the same thing. I mean, they should have just had the tournament in Red Deer for Pool B, had the tournament in Pool A for Edmonton, just 
get everything back the same way it was and just have that same experience of the world juniors. That's just my thoughts. And it, cause like you said, for everybody who had tickets in red deer, now all of a sudden you got to go to Edmonton. If even you got the tickets back or whatever. So it's just a whole kerfuffle there. And I just think it should have just gone back to the way it was and not change things up and just have it strictly in Edmonton. But yeah, that's just my personal opinion on that. No, I, I agree with that 100%. And I really love your use of the word kerfuffle there. <laughs> All right, let's move on, Brody. All right, we're going to go back to the, the current news now. We're on this week's news. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, the Florida Panthers, they claimed their first President's Trophy in franchise history. You love to see it. Uh, personally, I love it. I mean, Florida has been a, a team that struggled in the early to mid two thousands, like we said, and now to see them turning around the corner and just dominating this year, I love to see them get their first president's trophy. Just your thoughts on, on the Florida Panthers. Yeah, it's awesome to see them get their first president's trophy for sure. Um, I think that even if Florida wasn't going to get it, I still feel like a team probably in the East in that, uh, Atlantic division there was going to get it regardless, but, uh, no, like like we've said, we talked about the Florida this episode, and uh, yeah, it's just awesome to see that they've turned it around and uh, become such a wagon and such a good team. And uh, yeah, and I'm I know as you know as a player of the Florida Panthers, obviously the President's Trophy isn't really what you're looking for. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's the Stanley Cup or nothing, right? But it is really cool to see how good Florida has become and uh, all their acquisitions turning into positives for them. Do you think the Florida Panthers can break that President's Trophy curse and end up going on a deep run this year? Um, you know, I think they can. I really think they can. Um, you know, it all starts from goaltending and um we know how good Sergei Bobrovsky can be and he's definitely turned it around from the last couple seasons and uh you know, it's it's going to be beneficial, too, for Florida to have Spencer Knight to get a little bit of playoff experience, too, because that's going to be their goalie of the future there. And if he's getting playoff experience, you know, when he's only 20, 21 years old, it's going to be great for him in the uh, long run. But uh, like I said, it starts from their goaltending and then, you know, builds its way up. And uh, their decor, man, their defense core, it's going to be a rough decor to play against in any series. Like, I would not want to go into five, six, seven games against a defense core that consists of Ben Sherratt, Radko Gudas, Mackenzie Wieger, Aaron Ekblad. Like, these are tough hockey players. And they have the depth all the way down in the forward core. And uh, I think, yeah, I just, I think they're a very well-rounded team. They've got tons of offense, tons of defense. Their goaltending has been really good this season. And uh, I don't see why they, you know, they're going to, I would say, in my personal opinion, like, I think... If anything, no less than a second round exit. Like, I think they're going to beat Washington in the first round. If anything were to happen, I think it would be in the second round. But I definitely could see them go farther than, you know, I could see them going for a deep run. So, anybody but Tampa this year. That's all anybody but say. Tampa, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about a team now that missed the playoffs. And that is the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh. They're missing the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. Personally, I love to see it. They're a rival team in my division. I don't like Vegas. I'm glad they're not in the playoffs. And uh, I'm sure you feel the same way, but just your thoughts on Vegas missing this year. It's good hockey karma coming back around. You know, Vegas, they got babied to, you know, their Stanley Cup final appearance. And they basically got handed everything to them. And uh, 
They gambled it all by trading Jack Eichel this year. Not to say that, you know, Jack Eichel was the reason that Vegas missed the playoffs because at the end of the day, you obviously want a number one center on your team in Jack Eichel, but it's just nice to see the hockey karma come around with so many people, you know, not a fan of Vegas and Vegas finally getting what they deserve. And albeit as well at the hands of the San Jose Sharks too, which was hilarious. They were up 4-2 with, you know, like a couple minutes left and they blew a two goal lead and lost it in an o or in a shootout. And, uh, no, it's 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 awesome. I love it. Like you said, as a as a division rival of the Golden Knights and seeing them finally struggle for the first time in their, you know, young franchise history, it's awesome. <laughs> Did you see the encrypted code that the Sharks had on the Jumbotron for Vegas? I absolutely did, and that was hilarious, man. I'll kind of I'll explain it for the viewers who didn't see it, but basically long story short, um the San Jose Sharks posted um on the jumbotron it was just kind of like a phrase and no one thought anything uh of it really until it was kind of spread around the internet and people realized that um every single first letter of every word basically spelt out f the f the knights this is what it spelt out and uh how the jumbotron guy got away with that is beyond me because that's <laughs> you know <laughs> but regardless that was hilarious and that was probably the best thing that i've seen all week honestly yeah i mean i love to see it too you just love to see vegas finally getting the karma they deserve and it's it's gonna be different not having them in the playoffs this year but personally i, I love it Absolutely. And speaking of the playoffs, we got to go on a bit of uh, some unfortunate news. You know, that this guy's been around for a long time, but I just heard it today, actually, that Dustin Brown is going to retire after the playoffs this year. He's had a very good career with the LA Kings. I believe he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion with them. Uh, it was unfortunate, actually. He got the C taken away from him, and it was given to Anze Kopitar. So you hate to see it, but he actually did get the C for his last regular season game. Uh, just your thoughts on Dustin Brown and his career. Yeah, I've liked Dustin. Well, I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. It's like I like Dustin Brown, obviously, as a player. You know, he's one of those, you know, great and grind players. He reminds me of, you know, like kind of like a Corey Perry-esque, but maybe a little bit less of a nuisance than Corey Perry. But regardless, uh, Dustin Brown, you know, huge leader in that LA Kings locker room. That's the only team he's ever played for in his lengthy career, and he's won cups with them. And, uh, you know, it sucks, like we've said, to see, you know, so many players from our childhood, you know, starting to retire and uh it's unfortunate but you know they've had such a great career and uh you know they're just gonna you know hang it up and call it as it is and you know all the best to him like it's uh like you said he's gonna enjoy the rest of his life you know with all the money he's made and uh it's been you know a good good career for dustin brown and uh he's got the cup rings to show for it so yeah, we, we got to talk about another one, too, and that is Ryan Gatzlaff. He's going to be retiring mm. from the Ducks, and this was another player from, from Zach in my childhood, and he's had a fantastic career. He won a Stanley Cup in 2007. He's won a, a World Junior gold medal. Um, he's won Olympic gold medals. Uh, yeah, he's just had a really, really solid career that – not a lot of people have really talked about, but Getzlaff was a solid player. And personally, during the the 2017 playoffs, I hated Getzlaff. He was a uh, he was a pest for for the Oilers, and he he was a Oiler killer for a lot of his career. He's a fantastic player. Just your thoughts on Ryan Getzlaff? 
Yeah, Ryan Getzlaff, he's one of the more respected, like most respected players in the NHL. And, uh, you know, he's so loyal and he's such a good leader. And, uh, yeah, he's he's such a great, you know, aspect of the team for that young Ducks team that's coming up with Trevor Zegers and Sonny Milano and Jamie Drysdale and stuff like that. He's been such a good image and influence for those players and really shown them how to be, you know, a good NHL player and, you know, a proper and, and well-respected NHL player. And like you said, he's got the accolades. He's got the gold medals, the Stanley Cup in 07, and uh, spent his entire career with the Ducks as well, which is awesome to see. And he's just... Like I said, such a well-respected player in the league. And, uh, yeah, sucks to see another one go. But, uh, yeah, Ryan Getzloff, he's had uh, a heck of a career. But just really quickly, Brody, before we move on to the next news. Um, now, today is Friday, April 29th, as of recording this. And um, nothing has been announced yet. But today was the final day of the regular season in the NHL. And we have a couple players that... Um, had post-game handshakes with the opposition team, so you really can only expect what that means. Um, one of those being Keith Yandel uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. After the game against the Ottawa Senators, the entire Senators uh, team came out and shook hands with Yandel. Another one that really broke my heart when I saw the notification was Zdeno Chara of the Islanders. Um, they played the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight, and uh, the entire um, Tampa Bay team came out and shook Big Z's hand, and the... The fans were all chanting his name and stuff. Now, I did read from Friedman that uh, nothing has been announced from Zdeno Chara yet, but you can only imagine what that means, you know, when players come out and go for one more handshake. So what are your thoughts on uh, Yandel and Chara? Do you think they're calling it quits or what? Uh, I think Chara is for sure. Um, the reason I say that is because like he did sign with the New York Islanders, and that was a team he began his career with. So I, I kind of had a feeling he would want to retire with the team he first came into the league with. So for me, I think Chara is probably going to call it a career. Uh, as for Keith Yandel, I also feel like he's going to. And the reason being is because like his Ironman streak did end this year. It was an unfortunate uh, happening there but I feel like that was partly why he was still playing I think I mean Philadelphia uh they're not really a team that's gonna go anywhere and yeah I I just think that Keith Yandel's time is done I mean he's put in a really good career um I think he's got nothing really to prove anymore now that his Ironman streak is done so for me I I think they're both done personally I 100% agree with Keith Yandel, like I said, or like you said, uh, with the Iron Man streak. Um, I think really that was the only reason he was still playing. Like he's definitely his his numbers have definitely fallen off quite a bit, and he's been you know a solid guy. If you're not really overly expecting you know scoring that much, you know his scoring numbers have dropped off quite a bit. But he's been a decent you know like third pair defenseman. But I truly think that he really was only in it for the Iron Man streak, and that's done now. So I think Keith Yandel could be done. I don't know about Big Z though. Like that's the thing is that the Islanders, you know, they're such a fringe team as well, and they could make the you know the playoffs as a bottom seed next year. They could miss the playoffs next year, but uh, Big Z is in such good shape, and I know he's already you know 45 or something like that but he's in very good shape and uh 
you know, I don't see why he couldn't go a couple more years, especially if he wanted to go for one more cup uh, run. But uh, it would be fitting for him to, you know, call it quits with the team that he started his career with, with the Islanders. But uh, like I said, nothing official has been announced yet, but it just makes you wonder, you know, with these players going out and getting handshakes from the opposition team, like you got to assume something's up, right? So but we'll keep tabs on that. We'll definitely make sure to make note of it whenever uh, anything's announced. But carry on, Brody, with the news from this week. Yeah, we, we still got quite a few topics to go through, actually. And uh, we got Patrice Bergeron. He just hit 400 career goals with the Boston Bruins. Uh, he has had a very solid career as well. I've always liked Patrice Bergeron. I think he plays the game the right way. You know, he's a great leader. Um, he always comes to the rink every day wanting to be the best player he can be. And he's the Selkie trophy man himself. Like, this guy's a very good defensive forward. And uh, I love to see him hitting 400 career goals. It's great for, for Patrice Bergeron. And just your thoughts on the career Patrice Bergeron has had so far. Yeah, he's another one of those guys that's, you know, he's got the accolades. You know, he's he's a cup winner. He's a gold medalist. You know, he's a very, very good hockey player. And like you said, he's the Selkie man. Um, the best two-way forward, our, you know, our league, our, uh, you know, the NHL has ever seen. And uh it's awesome, you know, to see a guy like that hit 400 career goals because that just means that, you know, his career isn't necessarily dedicated to strictly defense. Like, he does have that offensive upside to him as well. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome to see Patrice Bergeron score 400 goals. He's been uh, such a – he's such a great hockey player and uh, – He's he's always referenced like you know whenever you know whenever a centerman's coming up in the draft and you know they have they show any signs of a two-way game it's oh he looks like Patrice Bergeron out there so you know you're doing something right as Patrice Bergeron if uh you know every prospect is getting compared to you but nevertheless yeah that's awesome to see for Patrice Bergeron hitting that 400 goal mark and uh hopefully get some playoff success too this year we'll see and speaking of doing the right things, we got to talk about two teams at the that earlier in the year that they brought in some players that have really helped their team, and that being the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Rangers. They have two players that they're going to be looking to sign. They're pushing hard to do it from uh, news that I've seen, and that is Evander Kane and Andrew Kopp. Both have made a significant impact to the success of their team. And uh, your thoughts on the Rangers and the Oilers trying to re-sign these guys? Yeah, it's going to be interesting in Edmonton. I know, uh, is it is it Paul Yarvey that needs an extension? I think, I don't know, Edmonton's in a little bit of a cap crunch, and uh, I don't think they expected Evander Kane to kind of pop off the way he did this year. But, uh, yeah, nevertheless, hate him or love him. Uh, Evander Kane, you know, he's got over 20 goals this year, and he's been a very good, you know, second liner or even first liner for the Oilers, and he's been a very good contributor. And, uh you know, he's got some grit, he's got some toughness, and uh, he's a good player that you kind of want in those playoffs, you know, to be, whether it be, you know, scoring goals or being a pest for the other team. So, you, you, like I said, you hate him or love him, but, uh, you know, Evander Kane, he's doing the right things in Edmonton, and he's looking to get some success in Edmonton for the uh, for the uh, playoffs. But uh, let's go over to the Rangers with uh, Andrew Kopp. I love Andrew Kopp's game, by the way. I'm a huge fan of Andrew Kopp. This year, he's got 53 points in 72 games, 21 goals. And the biggest thing about Andrew Kopp as well is that he is a penalty kill machine. And he's, <laughs> as ironic as it is, I'm going to compare him to Patrice Bergeron, but he's very Patrice Bergeron-esque where he's got that offensive upside, but man, you love to have him on your team as a defensive forward and... uh 
He's a face-off man. He's over 50% on the draws this year. And uh, like I said, penalty kill specialist. And uh, that's definitely something that the Rangers needed to bring in, especially, you know, they've had the success in the the, uh, the season. But uh, everyone's talked about, you know, the lack of depth on their, uh, you know, offense, especially, you know, centers and stuff like that. And uh, bringing in a guy like Andrew Cobb not only brings you goal scoring, but brings you defensive game as well. So, yeah, two guys right there. Evander Kane and Andrew Cobb, both very good forwards that have been having very good seasons and also looking for success in the playoffs. Yeah, both teams are definitely going to have an interesting summer ahead because the Rangers, I believe Ryan Strom is a UFA as well. And then on the Oilers side, Yamamoto, Puliyarvi, Kane, and Ryan McLeod all need new contracts. So that's going to be a, a pretty hectic offseason in terms of contracts for both of those teams. All right, now we're going to talk more about the Montreal Canadiens. They are hosting the draft lottery this year, which is on May 10th, and they also have the best draft lottery odds to get that first overall pick. And wouldn't that be something if they had the first overall pick while it's being hosted at the Bell Centre this year? Yeah, it would be, absolutely. Montreal fans are so dedicated to their team, and uh, they're definitely diehard fans, and... uh, I think, it, like you said, yeah, it would be something. Um, Montreal, you know, it's the first team in NHL history to uh, compete in the Stanley Cup final and then be last place in the league the following year. So Montreal fans have definitely gone through quite a bit, and uh, they haven't really had a lot of playoff success minus that Stanley Cup final appearance last year. And, uh, you know, having good news like that, if they were to win the draft lottery and pick first overall, that would be such a blessing for them. But realistically, if we're talking draft this year, I don't think you can really go wrong. Even if you don't get, you know, Shane Wright at number one, there's still a lot of good players that are uh, available in the top 10, top 15, even top 20. So I know my personal favorite player coming out of the draft this year is uh, Brad Lambert out of Finland. And uh, a lot of places, a lot of people and a lot of uh, scouts and stuff they only have him listed like number 10 or something and uh i think he could easily go top five so there's a lot of deep players but um yeah like you said it would be something else for montreal to get that first overall pick especially in the bell center could you imagine though if montreal did get that first overall pick and they had a line of like nick suzuki shane wright and cole caulfield i mean i know the positions don't necessarily align there but i think that would be a pretty deadly uh, center core for them to have like Nick Suzuki, Shane Wright down the middle, Cole Caulfield on the wing. Like they have got a good young team ahead of them, and if they could get the first overall pick, that would only add to to their rebuild going forward. All right, we got four last topics to go over, and then we can start getting into our playoff predictions. And don't worry, Leafs fans, we did not forget about <laughs> you. We're going to talk about Austin Matthews. He's the first player since 2011-12 and only the third player in the salary cap era to score 60 goals in a season. This guy is on a complete another level. They're talking about him being the heart favorite. What are your thoughts on Austin Matthews and the seasons he, he's had so far? I definitely think he is the heart favorite. I don't see why he wouldn't win it. You know, you look at the other people, and uh, actually I saw a uh, post from um, the NHL's Twitter page, and um, they said the uh, that Austin Matthews was number one in the race. It was between Matthews, uh, Huberto, uh, McDavid number three, and then Shesterkin at four. And 
I don't agree with the order of that, but I agree with Matthews being number one. And yeah, it's it's hard to argue, you know, when the guy's got 60 goals on the season. He's such a producer in the offensive zone. He's a big reason why the Toronto Maple Leafs are such a weapon in the offensive zone. And uh, he plays a very good game for the Leafs. He's definitely a leader on and off the ice. And uh, yeah, he's he's got to win the heart, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's had a fantastic season for sure. And I mean... We got to talk about another player, too, that I feel is kind of getting overlooked a little bit in terms of the heart uh, rankings. That is Roman Yossi. I mean, he's the first defenseman that's hit 90 points in a season since 1993-94. And, I mean, the heart trophy, uh, the way it it's supposed to be or what the description of the award is, is the player that's the most valuable to his team and not necessarily like how many points they might put up. And to me, I feel like if Roman Yossi's not having the season he's had, I don't know if Nashville is even in the playoffs, but I mean, Roman Yossi is another player that I think should be in consideration for the heart and just your thoughts on Roman Yossi and the season he's had as well. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, like you said, the the definition is that the player is the most valuable to their team. Like you said, it is not based on the MVP in the league. That is the Ted Lindsay Award, which is the MVP of the league. The most valuable to their team. And yeah, I it's between, for me personally, it'd be between uh, either Roman Yossi, Austin Matthews, or Igor Shosturkin. But you can make the same argument with uh, Igor Shosturkin as you can with Roman Yossi. And they've just been, they've both been so valuable to their team. And without those two players on their respective team, I don't know if they get in the playoffs. So I totally agree with you there. I think Roman Yossi has definitely been overlooked when it comes to the uh, the Hart Trophy, and uh, I think that should be relooked at. Honestly, it should be. I mean, he's. I wouldn't necessarily say quietly putting up ninety points, but I mean, he, he's having a phenomenal season. He's not even really getting looked at for the Hart Trophy just because I feel like. This is my personal opinion anyway. I feel like a lot of the voters now are kind of getting the Hart and the Ted Lindsay a little bit mixed up. I mean, it seems like the last few winners of the Hart Trophy have also been the players that have put up the most points offensively. So I don't know. It just seems like there's a bit of a discrepancy between what the award description is and the players that actually end up winning the Hart. But I don't know. That's just kind of my own opinion. <laughs> I could be wrong, but that's just... That's just what I what I feel. No, I think I think you're on the right track there. I I truly think that the two awards are getting mixed around, and yeah, the Hart Trophy is so it seems to be so much more valuable than the Ted Lindsay Trophy, even though you look at it, it's like the Ted Lindsay Trophy is the MVP of the entire league. Meanwhile, the Hart is the MVP to that person's team, right? So, no, I agree with you. I think I think that people are starting to you know get them confused a little bit. Well, there's uh, there's definitely no confusion with this, and we're going to talk about uh, a player that's, you know, been kind of brought style into the league this year. He's done a lot of crazy stuff, whether it be goals, shootout attempts in the All Star game, anything like that. And that is Trevor Zegras. He just set the Ducks rookie scoring record this year. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal player. I mean, this guy is not afraid to try anything on the ice. He's got a lot of skill. Just your thoughts on Trevor Zegras. I love it, man. I love Zegers' game. I love his style. I love his swagger. I just love what he brings to that Anaheim Ducks organization, and that's going to be one player that is going to be such a positive in their future. And uh, 
yeah, Zegras is kind of low-key becoming the face of the NHL, like, coming up, you know. Obviously, it's Austin Matthews or McDavid, but uh, Zegras right there, man. He's bringing so much more character into the game, and uh, he's bringing a lot of people... You know, he's bringing a lot of bold opinions, I guess, in a sense where a lot of people don't like what he's bringing to the game, but a lot of people do. And regardless of that, it's, you know, sparking conversation and uh, getting more knowledge about the league. And uh, I actually put a $3 bet down on Zegers winning the Calder, even though I think Mo Sider is going to win it. I still put a $3 bet down on it just because, you know, Zegers is so babied by the NHL. Like the NHL loves Zegers and what he's doing for the game. And I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, but... I love Zegers' game. I love his style. And, uh, yeah, what a great pickup for the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, I, I really like what Zegers is bringing to the NHL. I mean, it's it's becoming such a, a skill league now, and players are not afraid to do a whole lot of crazy stuff. And personally, like, this isn't really NHL-related per se, but I would love to see Trevor Zegers being on the cover of the next NHL game. Like, cool. I think that would be so cool just to, just with what he brings to the game. I think he would be a perfect ambassador for EA Sports just with the direction the league is going now. And I think it would be really cool if Zegers was on the cover next year. But that's just my opinion. I like that too. It's almost like, like they tried with P.K. Subban to kind of be the ambassador of uh... – EA's NHL franchise and uh it almost seemed like PK Subban was trying too hard to be liked in a sense and then they did it with Austin Matthews and uh Austin Matthews I mean like he's good you don't like I don't know how to explain it I feel like Austin Matthews is better than the NHL franchise you know but with Zegris like I agree with you there I think Zegris would definitely embrace it and uh yeah he'd be a great mascot and a great uh not mascot per se but great you know figure an idol i guess in a sense for the ea franchise and uh no i agree with you i'd love to see zegers on the cover we gotta talk about one last topic and then we'll get into our playoff predictions and we gotta talk about an idol of the game that is Sidney crosby i just seen that he joined yarmir yager and mario lemieux as the only penguins to score 30 plus goals 10 times and we gotta think about this too is crosby basically missed two full seasons uh, I think it was 2010-11, he missed like half the season. 2011-12, he barely even played that year. And the fact that he still put up 30-plus goals 10 times is absolutely phenomenal. And Sidney Crosby has had a, a very illustrious career. And uh, just hats off to Crosby and what he's done in his career. I mean, this guy's insane. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Is it playoff time, Brody? Are we, are we about to talk playoffs now? It is it is playoff time. We've Let's gone through all the notes of the last couple weeks. It is playoff time. Let's do it. So, the NHL playoffs start this coming week. The uh, There's one more bracket or one more uh, matchup that has not been decided yet, but it's pretty much a shoe. And the only thing we're waiting on at the time of recording right now is the Nashville Predators. They are currently playing the Arizona Coyotes in the last game of the season we need one point from nashville and uh that will secure um them playing the flames right now they're up 4-2 on the coyotes and it's the coyotes so i think they're gonna get a point out so we're gonna go off the assumption that the nashville predators are playing the calgary flames in the first round so brody how we're gonna do this is i'm just gonna read off every single matchup and i want you to tell me who you think's gonna win and why and we're going to go all the way to the Stanley Cup, and I want you to predict the Cup winner. So, let's start off in the East, Brody. We are going to start with the President Trophy winner, Florida Panthers versus Washington Capitals. Who do you got? I got Florida winning that series in five. 
Florida in five. I tend to agree with you as well. Um, I think Washington could steal a game, maybe two, but yeah, Florida deep team, good acquisitions at the trade deadline. Florida in five seems to be unanimous between us. Let's go over to, uh, <laughs> we'll save the controversial one for last. Let's go to Carolina versus Boston. Who do you got? I have actually got the Carolina Hurricanes in seven. You know, I think it's going to be a close series. I mean, Boston's a very good team. And for a wild card seed, them being 51-26-5, I don't think they're going to be easy for Carolina. I know Carolina has had success on them during the regular season, but playoffs is a whole different animal. Uh, they're a team that's gone to the Stanley Cup final before. So for me, I see Boston pushing Carolina to the brink, but I still have Carolina in seven. I think that's going to be a very interesting series. Um, we don't know. I don't know how long Freddie Anderson's out. And Freddie Anderson has been a rock for the Hurricanes this year. Carolina has absolutely dominated in the season series. The first game went 3 nothing uh, for Carolina. The second game was 7-1 Carolina. And the final one was 6 nothing Carolina. So in this season series, they've outscored Boston 16-1. to However, you do have to remember that it is playoffs you never know what could happen and i'm just you know for the spite of things i'm gonna say boston in seven i was thinking carolina in seven i don't know about their goaltending situation boston's had great goaltending from uh swayman and uh yeah i think i think boston might sneak away with one there and beat them in seven all right rangers versus penguins rangers are the uh the home team who do you got you know, that this is going to be a dogfight of a series. I really think it's going to go seven games. I would be very surprised if it didn't. But uh, for me, I'm actually going to say the Rangers in seven. I think if Shesterkin can keep up playing how he has in the regular season, I don't see why he can't. Uh, Chris Kreider, he's put up a 50-goal season. They've got some good players around him. Panarin, Zibanejad, Strom, Andrew Kopp coming in. Uh, Jacob Truba on the blue line. You know, I just I feel like the Rangers are going to sneak away with one, and they're going to beat Pittsburgh in seven. But it's going to be a, a long series. It's going to be a dogfight. Pittsburgh's a good team. They have Stanley Cup experience. But I'm going to go with the Rangers. I'm going to have to agree with you there, Brody. I also think the Rangers are going to win in seven as well. I really think it just comes down to the lack of Pittsburgh's defense. And if you're coming down to a goaltender matchup between Jari or Shesterkin, especially after this year, it's it's got to be Shesterkin, right? So I think with the weapons that the Rangers have up front, they're going to, you know, get the better end of uh, Pittsburgh's defense. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's going to be an absolute dogfight as well. That playoff series is going to be great, and I'm really excited for that one. But I think the Rangers are going to come out on top. Now we have the final first round matchup of the East. This is the one that's most talked about. The Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who do you got, Brody? I'm sorry, Leafs fans. I got Tampa. Oh, no. Uh, I got Tampa in six. I mean, they're the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. Uh, they have a team that's playoff experience. I know Toronto's going to have a huge... Uh, fire under their belly to try and overcome that first round de uh, deficit that they've got. But, I mean, when you got Vasilevsky, you've got Victor Hedman, Kucherov, Stamkos, Point. Like, their their depth is still pretty good considering that they lost, like, their entire third line. And to me, I just think Tampa's too experienced for Toronto, and I, I have them in six. So I have two separate outcomes, and I'm trying to 
way which one I think is going to be the correct one. <sighs> my first one, my initial thought, my initial thought, my initial, you know, gut feeling, Leafs in six is what I'm thinking. Now, <laughs> my other gut feeling is Tampa in four. And I'm not even joking because I, I really think this could go either way. I think the Leafs could actually finally get something done this year. But there's also the side of how much pressure is on the Leafs this year. Like, everyone's talking about it. It's, are the Leafs going to do something in the playoffs? Are they going to win a series? And that could really fold a team quickly with how much pressure and how much the media is on the Leafs. So, like I said, I don't know. Like, it's so tough. Like, I want to say the Leafs can actually do it this year. But if you fold under that pressure, especially against the two-time cup winners... And then it could be an easy sweep for Tampa. So I think Brody, just for the spite of things, I'm going to say Tampa in four. All right, Tampa pulling off the sweep. Tampa in four against the Leafs. All right, let's move over to the Western Conference. The first matchup we have, or hopefully we'll have, is uh, Colorado versus Dallas. Who do you got? I have Colorado winning in five. I just, I think they're, just miles ahead of Dallas. I, I think Dallas could maybe get one game, but honestly, I could see Colorado sweeping Dallas or even just beating them in five. I got a Colorado sweep in that one. I don't think Dallas has near enough to hold back the weapons that Colorado has. You know, Colorado's decor is scary deep. Their offense has gotten even better with their trade deadline acquisitions. I just think that, you know, the relentless pressure of their offense is going to break Ottinger, and I think Colorado is going to walk away out of there with a sweep on their hands. So let's move on. We got, uh, let's go with the Pacific Division. We got the Oilers versus the Kings. Who do you got? I don't want to be biased here, but I'm going to say the Oilers are going to win in six games. I think their offense is deeper than LA. I think their defense can hold as long as, you know, nurse is ready for game one. They've been playing really good hockey under Jay Woodcroft. They've actually have like a, a 70% winning percentage under Woodcroft since he's come in. Um, they're playing a lot harder for Woodcroft. They're playing a more structured system. And I just, I see them beating LA in six. You know what, Brody? It's not biased and coming from the Flames fan, I have the Oilers in five <laughs> over LA. I like like you said, they're just deeper. They've been playing so good under Woodcroft, but I really think that the deepness of the Oilers' offense is going to absolutely destroy that LA's weak decor, especially if they're going to be out Drew Doughty. And uh, I hate to say it for Dustin Brown's sake, but I think LA's going to be walking away pretty early in this playoff, so... Let's move on to the Central Division second matchup. Now, this is going to be a big one. These are two teams that have a lot of points, and they're very good teams. We got the Minnesota Wild versus the St. Louis Blues. Who do you got? I have Minnesota in seven, and the only reason I'm taking them over the Blues in seven is because I just think their tandem of Fleury and Talbot is a strong tandem. Uh, they're a good team. They play a really structured system, and for me, it's going to be a really close series like it sucks that one of these teams has got to go home in the first round because they're both deserving to go further than that. But for me, I just think Minnesota, but I, I could even see St. Louis, but I'm just going to say Minnesota in seven. I personally want Minnesota to win in seven, 
So I'm going to say Minnesota in seven. However, St. Louis has swept the season series all three games, but two of those games did go to overtime with St. Louis winning. So like you said, it really could go either way, and it is the playoffs. You never know what's going to happen. I really do like the goaltending tandem of Fleury and Talbot more than Bennington and Huso. And I don't know, I just, Minnesota's on a different level this year. And uh, don't get me wrong, St. Louis is a very good team. They're very deep. They're very well-rounded. But uh, I just, I love Minnesota's style of play. And I love how they've been for performing this year. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to take Minnesota in seven as well. All right, and last but not least in the Western Conference, we got the Calgary Flames versus the Nashville Predators. Who do you got, Brody? I have Calgary winning in six games, I think. Calgary from is a deeper team both offensively defensively and their goaltending is really good they've played very well under Daryl Sutter this year but for me I just think Nashville does have that ability to steal a game or two I mean they got a very solid team themselves they've got a great goalie in UC Soros a legitimate number one like franchise defenseman in Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne are having great seasons as well. I think they're going to get a couple games on Calgary, but I think Calgary's still going to win in six. I got Calgary in seven in this one. Now, I know it's kind of weird because Calgary is, you know, the second best team in the Western Conference this year and Nashville, the wildcard team. Taking a look at the season series, Nashville has won two out of the three and all three games were won by one goal. Um... That third game that they played, the most recent game Calgary and Nashville played, it was such a rough and just hard nose and just exciting adrenaline pumping game. And it really could go either way. Like in that last game, Matthew Kachuk tied the game in the third period with 0.1 seconds left on the clock. So realistically anything could happen however i do think the flames are going to walk away with this one the flames are just built to be a rough playoff team like i wouldn't want to go you know five six seven games with a team that has lucic kachuk and branson zadaroff you know chris tanev like these hard-nosed you know just tough hockey players so i think calgary's gonna walk away in seven i think nashville is definitely gonna make it a series nashville is a you know, a really good team. And uh, if UC Saros is back, I know he got injured in that Flames game, but uh, I think he should be back to start the playoffs. But uh, if UC Saros is in net, it's going to seven. If David Riddich is in net for Nashville, it's going in five. So that's my prediction. So let's go back to the Eastern Conference in the second round. So, Brody, you had Florida beating Washington. I'm just trying to see how this would line up here real quick. So it would be... You had Florida, you had Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and Rangers, correct? That is correct. All right. So you would be having, I think it would be Florida, Tampa, and then Carolina Rangers, if I'm not mistaken. So Florida, Tampa, who you got, Brody? I am going to take the Florida Panthers in seven. I think their offense is a, is deeper than Tampa's. Uh, their defense is still really good. We know Bobrovsky is a good goalie, and he can play really good for them. So I think if Florida gets everything going and they're playing the way that they've played all year, I can see Florida taking out the two-time defending cup champs. So I'm going to take Florida in seven in round two. So I would also have Florida versus Tampa in round two, and I think Florida was gonna would take it in six, I think. That's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I think if Florida gets the ball rolling, I think they can uh, jump over Tampa, and especially if, you know, Toronto takes Tampa deep, Tampa's going to be a little more worn out, and uh, Florida, man, they fire on all cylinders. They're go, 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 and they are just... 
they're one heck of a team to contain. So I agree with you on Florida. I think they're going to take them in six. So your other Eastern Conference matchup would be the Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers, the 1-2 in the Metro. Who do you got in that matchup? It's going to be a good series as well. Um, it really depends on Freddie Anderson's health and if he's going to be back for the playoffs. Um, Carolina is a very good team, both offensively and defensively as well. I mean, they're a very tough go for the Rangers. Um, I do have Carolina in six as long as, you know, they're healthy. I just think, you know, Shesterkin's had a great year. The Rangers have had a really solid year with goal scoring as well. But I, I just feel Carolina's going to be too much for them, and I've got Carolina in six. So I've got Rangers versus Boston in that second-round matchup, and I'm going to go with the Rangers on that one. I think uh, yeah, Shesterkin's play lately has just been so good. I think the Rangers' depth is a little bit better than the Bruins, and uh, yeah, I think the Rangers could come away with an pretty decent win in that series as well so i think the rangers i'm gonna say i'm gonna say five i'm gonna say the rangers and five over the bruins in that one all right moving on to the western conference and i'm gonna have to figure this one out okay you had minnesota over st louis correct yep okay perfect so you would have oh it'd be c1c2 p1p2 so it would be a battle of alberta calgary versus edmonton brody who you got I've got Calgary in seven. <laughs> I think it's going to be a really solid series between those two teams. It's I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fight every game, honestly. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be a very physical series. Uh, it's going to be a tough series. Um, both teams are going to play with a lot of passion, a lot of fire. But to me, I just think overall Calgary's goaltending is going to be the factor. Um, I don't know how Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen are going to last over a, a playoff run. Um, yes, the Oilers have been playing a lot better under Jay Woodcroft, but to me, I just think Calgary's had more success over Edmonton during the season series, and for me, I just think Calgary's going to take it in seven. I agree 100% with you there. I got Calgary in seven as well. The Oilers, it's a tough one. It's scary for being a, well, being a Flames or Oilers fan. I mean, you know, that that rivalry is just insane and like Brody said there's probably going to be a fight every single game I just think Calgary is just you know more of a you know playoff built team I just think uh their goaltending is a little bit more solid uh their decor is a little more bigger solid you know the offense you know they're comparable the both offenses are comparable you got the top line of the flames you got Leon and Connor for the Oilers so Calgary definitely has had, you know, the upper hand during the, you know, this season series, but I don't know. I think that series for sure, if, if I were to put any money on a series going to seven games, it would honestly be that one. But I think Calgary just jumps on uh, Edmonton just a little bit more and they uh, take it in seven there. So then we got Colorado and Minnesota, Brody. Who do you got in that series? I've got Colorado in six. I, again, I just think Colorado from top to bottom is a, much deeper team than Minnesota, and I just, I just have Colorado winning in six. All right, here's my uh, my first, you know, ball buster of this uh, prediction. I've got Minnesota in seven. I have got Minnesota in seven over the Colorado Avalanche. I love the Minnesota Wild style of game this year. They've surprised everyone with how good they've been. Their chemistry has been unreal. Their decor actually has been very solid, especially adding uh, Jacob Middleton. And that goalie tandem, 
Like, I like Darcy Kemper, I like Pavel Frankuz, but I just think Flurry Talbot, they're going to be the reason that Minnesota goes on such a deep run, and I just, I'm going to say Minnesota over Colorado in seven. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right, so your Eastern Conference final, Brody, Florida versus the Hurricanes. Who do you got? Oh, this is this is a tough one to pick. I mean, both of these teams are very solid teams. I think both could go in deep runs this year. Um, for me, oh man, this is uh, this is gonna be a tough one to pick. But I'm actually gonna say the Carolina Hurricanes in seven. Ooh. And the reason I say Carolina in seven over Florida is just. I think it's the president's trophy curse for a reason. I just feel like the expectations on Florida are going to be super high. I, I don't see it really getting them, but I don't know. For me, I feel like that president's trophy curse is a thing. So I'm going to take Carolina in seven over Florida. I'm going to have Florida versus the Rangers, and I'm going to say Florida goes in six. Um, I'm going to disagree with your point, actually. I really don't feel that the pressure is that high for Florida. Like, yes, we know where the, they're the President's Trophy winners, but Florida hasn't seen a lot of success lately. Like, this is their only, like, their second time in quite a few years making the playoffs. And, you know, they played the, the Stanley Cup champions and soon to be, this, you know, the two-time Cup champions in the first round. So I really don't think Florida has had, you know, that much pressure on them to perform and... With how well their team has been built, I just, I see that, you know, Florida all around, I find, except for goaltending, is a better, you know, constructed team than the Rangers. But I feel like, you know, Florida's relentless offensive pressure is going to find a way to solve Shesterkin. And I think the Florida Panthers are going to take the Rangers in six. Okay, let's move on to the Western Conference Finals. So, Brody, you got Colorado versus Calgary. This is very, you know, anticipated conference final matchup. Who do you got? I've got the Colorado Avalanche in seven. What a series that would be. I think that series is going to be a very good series. I mean, both teams are very deep from top to bottom. I just, I feel like Colorado's offensive firepower with Nathan McKinnon, you know, Nazem Kadri behind him. Landeskog's supposed to be healthy coming back for the playoffs. Miko Rantanen, we know how dominant that line can be. And their defense, Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, he's going to be a huge factor in that series. Uh, they got Josh Manson, Devon Taves. Like, I just think it's going to come to depth. And for me, I just think Colorado's depth is slightly, slightly better. So I'm going to say Colorado in seven. Yeah, that's not a bad prediction at all. Like, you know, being a Flames fan, I'm petrified of playing Colorado. Anytime we play Colorado, it's just bad news for us. But my uh, my Western Conference final would be Minnesota versus Calgary. And it's going to sound a little biased as well. But once again, I just I think Calgary is such a well-built team for the playoffs. And I'm going to say Calgary beats Minnesota in seven. I just, like I said, I've spoken so highly about the Minnesota Wild. I love, you know, how they play. And uh, their goaltending tandem is fantastic. But, uh, yeah, Calgary is just there with under Daryl Sutter. You know, he's got the experience in the playoffs. He's won the Stanley Cups. They play such a hard-nosed game. And you got to remember that in the playoffs, the whistles kind of get put away by the refs. They don't call as many penalties. And uh, having a, you know, gritty team is always an advantage, especially come playoff time. So, I don't know. I think Calgary's just better built for the postseason, I think Calgary is going to get the better end of uh, Minnesota in seven. 
So here it is, Brody. You got the Stanley Cup final being the Carolina Hurricanes versus the Colorado Avalanche. Who's winning the cup? I have got Colorado winning the cup. I think in the regular season, they've had the success on Carolina in the season series, I believe. And again, I just think it comes down to the depth from top to bottom. I just think Colorado is built better for the playoffs in Carolina. It is slight. Carolina is a very good team, but I just think the overall offense, defense, and goaltending is built for Colorado to win the the Stanley Cup this year, and I just think it's Colorado's time. I think they're going to win. I think that Stanley Cup final would honestly be one of the most exciting Stanley Cup finals we've seen in quite a few years. That just the offensive firepower and just how well built both of those teams are from top to bottom. I think that would be such a good Stanley Cup final, honestly. I'm kind of sad, Brody. You know, I was expecting you to uh, to say an Oilers versus Canes, you know, rematch of, uh, <laughs> of 06, but... Brody's got the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup. My cup final would be Florida versus Calgary. And no, I'm not going to be biased. I think the Florida Panthers would win it all. I think they'd take Calgary in probably five or six games. Florida, man, they're they're just, a, like I said, they're a wagon. Like, like I said, Calgary is a good built playoff team. But Florida has got way too much offensive firepower. And they just, they're rolling on all four lines. They're very, they're very similar when it comes to defensive structure like the Flames. They've got all the big you know, physical presence on the back end. And uh, it's a goaltender matchup between Markstrom and Bobrovsky. And both goalies are very good. But when it comes down to the offensive depth, I think Florida takes it and takes it by quite a bit. So I'm going to say probably Florida in five or six against the Flames in the cup final. I got to mention one thing real quick that I thought was actually really funny now that, now that I realize this. Uh... I took my second favorite team to win the cup, and you took your second favorite team to win the cup. <laughs> I didn't cup. even think about that, yeah. We didn't even choose our favorite team to win the cup. We chose our second favorite team. <laughs> so if you, if you want to call us out for bias, there it is right there. We are not biased. It's our second favorite team. <laughs> no, that actually is pretty funny. But those would be good cup finals, too. Like, you got Carolina, Colorado, and I got uh, Calgary, Florida. Those would both be really good cup finals, but... Yeah, it's the playoffs, man. You never know what's going to happen. For all we know, we're going to have a freaking L.A. versus Washington Cup final. Like, <laughs> who knows? I also would like to mention, Brody, and I know, like, at the time of, you know, the viewers listening to this, um, they're already going to know the final score. But right now, at the end of the second, it's 4-3 Nashville. So Arizona scored three straight. Nashville only needs to get one point to play the Flames in the first round. But if they lose in regulation, they're playing Colorado. So that's just something to point out. But uh, we're going to have to keep tabs on that tonight. But I think that about does it. This has been a long episode, but that's what we get for missing uh, our weekly upload. So once again, we apologize for that. We'll try and make good for, uh, you know, trying to get an episode every single week. Like you said, it is hard. We both, you know, have our own life schedules, so it's hard to plan things and get everything lined up. But uh, if there is any updates on the podcast, make sure to check out our Twitter at TCP underscore show. We make sure to uh, update you guys on any um, any news that's happening with the podcast or uh, just anything really in the hockey world. So is there anything else you'd like to say before we uh, bid adieu? I'm excited for Monday, man. First game of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, so. it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it as well. 
All right. Well, that about does it for episode number 11 of the Cherry Pickers podcast. We appreciate you all for tuning in to the show. Um, our podcast is available on all uh, podcast platforms, whether it be Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. Make sure to check out our uh, show's Twitter for any updates on the uh, on the podcast itself at TCP underscore show. Make sure to uh, check out Brody's Twitter at well, as well at Brodog underscore. That is B-R-O-D-D-O-G underscore. Also check out my Twitter as well at YaBoyZoo, Y-A-B-O-Y-Z-U-U. We appreciate you all for tuning in to the Cherry Pickers podcast. Take care.